Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. All right, my friends, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 14 and uh, kind of hold it there as we, as we go into the celebration of the Christmas season. Uh, one, I want to encourage you every day to spend time in the Word and contemplating the great things that the Lord has done, especially as we consider the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is an incredible time. Now, there's just something about Christmas. It seems to just change everything, doesn't it? it just, when you look at it, just the, the way that things feel even, it seems like it changes. And that's a good thing. And especially when you look at kind of what we've been going through for the last year and a half or so, we, we could handle some, some better feelings, I think. Thematically, today, the first day of Advent, is focused on hope. And as we look in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33, we're going to look at a time in the life of Peter where uh, maybe he didn't feel a lot of hope. And so consider some things with me. When you think about faith, what it is to, to believe in God, it means to have trust or confidence in God. That's what it means, to have trust or confidence. Now, all of you have faith in something, right? So maybe you had faith in your parents that the wisdom that they were giving you as you were growing up was something that you should listen to and that you should follow even if you didn't totally understand it. You had trust or confidence in your parents or I hope you had trust or confidence in your parents. That would be a good thing, right? Uh, if you get in your car here in a little bit, you're probably going to have trust or confidence that when you turn the key, the engine is actually going to turn over, right? And you're going to be able to drive away from this place. And you have trust or confidence in the engine of your car. We have trust or confidence in a lot of things, but when it comes to our relationship with God, or honestly, even our relationship with other people, our trust or confidence, well, it meets moments that it gets tested, right? Because when you think about it, relationships are very different than, well, your car, very different than your car, or very different than a number of things. When you place faith or trust in a person, a lot of times you're placing faith or trust at times where you can't see or understand everything. When you think about trust or you think about faith, I, I think of people of faith that are incredibly inspiring. I know that I'm probably going to butcher his name, but I've also always been inspired by a guy named Nick Vujicic. Maybe you've seen him. He was actually a man that was born without arms and without legs. And yet God has given him a platform to literally go around the world and to speak a message of hope to people. And he just said he wasn't going to allow the circumstances that he was born under to be the things that determined what he was going to do with his time or with his life. That God had portioned for him something that was deep and meaningful. And that if this is the way that he was going to be born, that he was going to make the most of what it is that God had given him instead of focusing on all the things that God didn't give him, namely arms and legs. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at a guy named Enoch. Enoch who, when he was 65 years old, came to faith in God. And the way that the story describes it is, and it says he walked with God for 300 years. Now that always blows me away when I see that because it doesn't say that he took a step. And a lot of us in our faith journey, we would like to say, well, I took a step and kind of here I am. But with Enoch, no, it meant something actually completely different. With Enoch, it was daily he was walking with God. That's what faith looks like. See, for Enoch, what it meant was, is that he was going to take, just in the run-a-day stuff of life, is that he was going to let God's priority be what it was that guided his every thought and his every action. Now, that is a life of faith. 
Today we're going to be looking at another example of a person of faith. And what I hope in this Advent season is that maybe for some of you, your faith has been rocked a little bit. What I hope is that you would find encouragement and you would find your faith as an anchor again for the way that you live your life. Peter is a great example of this though. And as you look in Matthew chapter 14, let me just start reading in verse 22. See what it is that the Lord wants to teach us today. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So basically go to the other side of the water, right? And after dismissing the crowds, he, this is Jesus, he went up on the mountain to, by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. And meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter, my guy Peter, I love this guy. He says, well, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on. Now, I don't know about Peter. I'm thinking about this for a moment. Was that one of those throwaway lines? You've probably thrown a line away every now and again, right? Hey, if it's really you, tell me to come on out there on the water. And Jesus is like, well, come on. And Peter's like, I didn't mean it. <laughs> Have you ever had that kind of moment in your relationship with God? Don't know, but he said it. And climbing out of the boat, and this is what I love about Peter. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water. And he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith. Why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? And when he, they got into the boat, that is Peter and Jesus, the wind ceased. And then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, you've probably run across this story before in your reading of the Bible, fair enough. It's one of the more popular stories that you find in there. When you think about what Peter was up to, though, he was taking a step of faith with Jesus when he said, hey, ask me to come on out. Now, what that means is, in taking a step of faith, is there's some risk that's involved here. Probably you've all felt the same way when it came to your walk with Christ as well. There's some risk that's involved here. But we all do this. We all take risks or we all take some gambles on some things in our lives that have, by the way, nothing to do with our relationship with God. At least some of it. I mean, if you've ever made an investment in the stock market, you've taken a risk. Is that fair? I mean, you've taken a risk. Uh, guys, how many of you remember what it was like asking a girl out back in the dating days? Or guys that are in the dating days? How many of you remember what that was like? I mean, when you think about it, you're kind of putting yourself out there. I've always looked at that, that moment, you know, looking in hindsight. You go, it seems like the girl had every advantage in the situation, right? Because what I had to do and what the guys had to do was you know, I had to go up. I had to, I had to plan some things out. I had to lay it out there. And there was always this chance that she was going to go, no, I'm not really interested you know, after spilling everything out, there was always that chance, right? That she was going to look at me and be like, I don't want to go out with you. I mean, why would I want to do that? 
And how do you feel when you get a response like that? I mean, I know I'm the only one that experienced that, but I'm just throwing it out there, right? You take a little bit of a risk. And when you take the risk, there can also be the possibility of reward as well. Because, you know, a lot of times the girl said, yes. Risk and reward. When it comes to your relationship with God, there's some risks that you often take as you step out in faith. Blaise Pascal, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite philosophers, one of the greatest Christian thinkers that you will ever run into, he died when he was really young. Now, Blaise wasn't your run-of-the-mill kind of smart. He was pretty, pretty brilliant. In fact, a lot of what you do in mathematics today is because of some discoveries that was made by Blaise Pascal. It was described by his father, Etienne, uh, Etienne, who had not taught his son mathematics, by the way, came home. And if I remember the story right, Blaze was somewhere around 10 years old. And Etienne comes home. Uh, Blaze's mom had already passed away. And he sees Blaze out in the backyard and he's drawing something in the dirt. And when he walks over, he finds out that his son is figuring out some of the principles of geometry on his own in the backyard. In fact, some of the things that we study now, what is, is called conic theory, like cones, three-dimensional cones, was discovered by this kid. It's amazing. He was so smart that he would go do presentations when he was like 14 and 15 years old to the people that were the great thinkers of France at his time, including a guy named Rene Descartes. And they said that this, this kid was just so incredibly brilliant that he would, he would speak in front of the, the crowd and they'd be like, all right, somebody gave you this stuff. There's no way you came up with this stuff on your own, but it was him. He was a genius. And I don't use that term lightly. There's a difference between smart and genius. He was a genius. Well, Pascal was talking to his friends before he came, before he came to Christ. He had these friends that were called the Libertines. And what they liked to do was gamble, like a lot. And Blaze had been a part of the group. And he had eventually come to, to Christ and he goes back to his friends and he says, you know, here's the thing. I see that you like to gamble, but did you know that you actually make a gamble with your life? Because if God exists and you gamble that he doesn't, there's probably something on the other side of that that you don't want. Now, the reason that he brought that even up to them was not just try to twist something into them. It was because he actually cared. He had had a religious experience of his own and it had completely transformed him. But notice what he's saying. With the decisions that you make with your life, including what it is that you say about God, there is risk that is involved in here. There's risk everywhere. Some risks are worth taking though. I mean, Peter and the disciples were asked by Jesus to act in faith in this situation, to have trust or confidence in Jesus, even though he was not giving them the assurance on how things in this situation were going to work out. I'm asking you to trust me. They were doing, by the way, what God told them to do. Jesus had said to them, get in a boat and go ahead and cross the water, right? They were exactly where they were supposed to be. And they found themselves in a bit of a mess. Now, how many of you, spiritually speaking, would say, I'm exactly where God has asked me to be, and because of that, I found myself in a little bit of a mess, a little bit of a difficult time. You could probably think of a time in your life, it might even be right now, where you say, you know what, that's true. That's even true of me now. In the story, it says that it's well into the night, or some of your translations will say it was in the morning. Some might even say that they were on the fourth watch just depending on your translation. Here's what that roughly means. That means that it was roughly somewhere in the hours of about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. that all this is going on. Here's another way of understanding it. It's real dark. That's what it means. It's really dark. 
Sometimes, especially when I was a kid, I had this picture, they're out on the water, right? And it's daytime, there's this storm that hits. That's not it. It's in the thick of the dark of night and the storm hits. That's even worse. It's not good. So Jesus speaks to them and he says, after they see him, take courage, it's me. Don't be what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then there's Peter, my man. I like him for a number of reasons. Uh, But in verse 28, when he says, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come on. Did you notice Jesus says for all of them to not be afraid. He doesn't look at the group in the boat and go, Peter, don't be afraid. He looks at the whole group and he says, don't be afraid. And the thing I love about Peter is I think in this story, he kind of takes a shellacking sometimes. Is that fair? Because we get to that one part where he steps out and he takes a few steps. He's like, it's working. And then after another couple of steps, bloop, he starts to go into the water and you go, oh, Peter. How many of you have actually felt that way about Peter in this story before? Don't lie, get your hands up. Because it's all of us. It's all of us. I want to actually praise the guy for a second. He's the only one that got out of the boat. He was it. Everybody else sits comfortably in the boat while Peter is actually still talking to the Lord. And he asked him to do something very specific, didn't he? He didn't say something. He didn't say, and Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of my body. If it's you, tell me to get out of the boat. He's like, come on. See, what this means for Peter is he didn't want to just hear Jesus say, don't be afraid. It's not what he wanted. He wanted to put the work, put to work the promise of Jesus in the situation that he was in. The other disciples didn't seem to do that. And that's why I want to praise the guy for just a little bit today. Remember, his request wasn't small, was it? I mean, he was asking to walk on water. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, but that was back in olden times. People back then asked those kinds of crazy things. I don't want to throw this out there. Peter was a fisherman. He knew what water was. He knew what it was. He knew that he had never walked on it before. He knew that. He knew that if water wasn't frozen and you step on it, you tend to plunk down in it. He knew that. You know, it's, it's like here we are, you know, celebrating Advent. It's like when you look at Joseph and Mary and Mary is found with child. And Joseph's response is, is well, I know how that happens. You know what he didn't initially say? You know what I bet it was? A work of God in the life of Mary. You know why? It's because Joseph knew how pregnancy worked. Joseph had to get some stuff explained to him. And this is why I want to praise Peter a little bit in this passage. The boy knows how water works. And if you step on it, you're going for a swim. Actually, it's in the middle of the storm in the thick of the dark of night. You're probably going to go for a little bit more than a swim. Right? That's why I want to praise the guy. But here's the catch about it. It's a supernatural request from Peter. It's not a normal one. Peter was asking Jesus to do something pretty extraordinary for him. And I want to ask you a question. When is the last time you asked something like that out of God? Not not something menial. Aunt Matilda has a broken finger. Pray that you would heal that. There's nothing wrong with those prayers. But when is the last time you prayed prayed or asked something out of God like what Peter was asking here? Maybe our prayers need to be expanded a little bit. 
Is that fair? Peter's request gave him the opportunity to experience something new in his relationship with Jesus, without which he wouldn't have had before. That's why I said when it comes to, 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 to faith, there's some risk that's involved, but a lot of times there is some reward when you take it. Peter wanted to experience the word. The other 11 were satisfied with hearing a word. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And they're like, ah. Jesus is like, tell me to come on the water. Or Peter's like, tell me to come on the water. He wanted to experience something. But here's the other thing. Obedience can lead to some difficult circumstances in your life. I was thinking about this week. You know, going back some years ago, uh, Wendy and I, we, we left College Station. You know, I was, I was, I was there at A&M and we left College Station so that I could take a professor's position in New Orleans. So I went to be a professor at New Orleans Seminary, and then I pastored a church there in the Gentilly community of New Orleans. This was after Katrina had hit it. Now, that wasn't the only job that was available to me. In fact, when you look at the situation of the other jobs that were available to me, it was the most violent city of any of the other places that we could have gone. And in fact, after Katrina, you saw violence had, had escalated. A lot of the drug lords, they felt like their turf had been undone uh, by Katrina. And so they had some opportunities to expand what they were doing with their drugs, their drug trade. Murder rates, as a result, were skyrocketing. New Orleans was a mess. There were at least four other jobs that I had offered to me. And we ended up going to New Orleans. And the reason that we went to New Orleans is because we were asked to. We were called to it. I had the other, I had the other opportunities available, and, and honestly, one of the things we laugh about was it was the lowest paying job that was offered to me as well. That one I kind of look back and go, come on. I mean, at least I'm going into a violent situation. Give me the cash. I know you're wondering this. What was, what's the difference between the highest paying offer that I had on the table and the one that I took? And it was $120,000 on the base salary. Now, I'm sitting there as a guy, had made a promise to Wendy's father some years before, you will never have to worry about her ever in your life. I will take care of her. I promise. Mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, I'll take care of her. Now, they have three daughters. And all I could say to Buddy is when you put your head on your pillow at night, there's one you don't have to worry about. And then it's like, hey, we're going to New Orleans for a low-paying job, and it's real violent there. Yeah, it all adds up, right? Makes sense. Now, I give you this story to make a simple point. Sometimes you're exactly where you're supposed to be, and there are difficulties that come with it. It doesn't mean you need to be questioning today, am I where God wants me to be? We were exactly where God wanted us to be. And praise to Peter in this story, he gets out. The man got out. What if he had said, hey, if it's you, tell me to get out of the boat. And Jesus like, come on. He's like, what are you, that's crazy. And he stayed in the boat. It wasn't. To his credit, he gets out and he starts walking on water. Problem is verse 30, right? It says, but, but, seeing the wind, he became frightened. He became frightened. How many of you are seeing some circumstances in your life and because of what you're seeing there, you're frightened? That's just where you're at. When Jesus, when Jesus sees this, he tells Peter, he says, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And the answer is because Peter's focus had shifted. His focus had shifted. 
See, some of you are struggling spiritually today, not because of the circumstances that you find yourself in, but because you lack focus. Or, let me put it a little bit of a different way. Some of you are struggling spiritually today because of what you are focused on, and what you're focused on is the wrong thing. That's why you're struggling. I mean, remember, the storm was already there, right? It's not like Peter steps out and and all of a sudden he starts getting slapped around by waves. The waves were already cracking the boat. The storm was already there. The waves were already there before. Nothing new to the situations. situation. It seems that his shift in focus is what gave him a shift in faith. He became confident that the waves were too much and the result was he was afraid. He was afraid. But to Peter's credit, you notice what Jesus never said to him? It never said, you don't have any faith. He never said that. He said, you have little faith. It's there, but it's little. In fact, get this. Here here I am saying that some of us are struggling spiritually because of the things that we're focused on. And we're focused on the wrong things, which means we are distracted from the good things we should be focused on. I don't know if you know this, but back in the Middle Ages, there was a form of torture in France where what they would do is they would tie a person's arms and legs by ropes and they would attach it to horses on each of the ends. I'll let you fill in the blanks with what would happen. What you may not know is they actually had a name for that practice of torture and it was called distraction. See, some of you are spiritually tortured because you are distracted. And what you do is you say it's because of the circumstances in your life. Peter had some circumstances in his life. But the reason that you're struggling may not be the circumstances. It might be the distraction that you have in your life. The degree of faith in Peter went from big to little and it did it in a matter of seconds. That's how powerful an effect a distraction can have on your spiritual life. It can turn a heart of faith into a heart of fear. And you have to remember, your faith is only as good as what you are putting it in. But you're all putting it in something. You're putting it somewhere. Peter's lack of focus led to fear. So Jesus let Peter go under the water a bit so that he could get some focus. Boom. Sometimes that's exactly the way that God works, friends. He's he's going to let you experience life so that you can then respond back in the faith that you should have had to begin with. So he lets him sink. It was perfectly within his power to hold his hand and to keep him out of the water to begin with, right? After all, he pulls him up anyway. It's not like Jesus was sinking. Jesus is just standing there. Peter's the one that is sinking. But I have to give Peter some credit again. Because when he starts to sink, he responded the way that he was supposed to. He cries out to Jesus. And he says, help me. Help me. And that's what Jesus was waiting for. That's what he was waiting for. Because Peter turned his eyes back to him. Question that I have for you this morning, my friends, is where are your eyes? Where are they? What are you focusing on? Do you have a heart of fear? If so, then I think you have something that you can take from the story of Peter. And it can change you. Because all that Jesus has been waiting for us to do is to say, help me. Help me. I mean, Peter's already a follower, right? 
But maybe just like him, I'm going to say the same for me. My faith journey is a lot of times it is fits and starts. You know what I mean? It's like a couple of steps forward, then boop, a little bit of a step back. Peter's no different. I'm sure that you're not either. Jesus is waiting for us today to respond like he did and to cry out and say, Lord Jesus, help me. And he will. He will. So Jesus picks Peter up out of the water. He puts him back in the boat. And I love it. It says, and then all of them, the other disciples, they're finally back in the story now. It says, everybody started to worship Jesus. Everybody. That's a great time to start worshiping, right? Boom, they're in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. Peter's in the boat going, I love boats. Because you know he was loving a boat by then, right? And all of them started to worship. Can you see why it is I want to give Peter a little bit of praise today though? Because of his willingness, a couple of things. Peter saw what Jesus could do. He saw it. He experienced it. And then second, he saw that his faith still had plenty of room to grow. Those are both lessons that are worth taking. So my question, friends, does this story sound like yours? Does it sound like you? Here's something I ran across some years ago by Rick Warren. I want to share it with you. He said, there are some unchangeable truths you need to tell yourself during a time of uncertainty. And here they are. God sees everything that you're going through. In Psalm 33, 18, it says, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. God sees everything that you're going through. God cares about everything that you're going through. In Micah chapter 7, verse 7, it says, But I will watch for the Lord. I will wait confidently for God who will save me. My God will hear me. Because he cares about everything that you're going through. God has the power to change what you're going through. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and you will be given what you ask for. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. He has the power to change what you are going through. God always acts out of his goodness to you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know that. God's plans are always better than yours. We all know that, but it's worth repeating. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. No matter what, God is never going to stop loving you. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10, for the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love, you in my faithful love, you will remain. Nothing is going to change that. And no matter what you go through, God is with you as you go through it. Isaiah 43 2, when you go through the deep waters and great trouble, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Those are things that we hold in mind when we face circumstances that are difficult. Remember how we began this morning? We began with lighting a candle to kick off the Advent season. It symbolizes hope. It symbolizes hope. And I want to remind you of what we read when we lit the candle. The people walking in darkness, that is the people that have been walking in sin, the people that have been living in sin, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there is no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. Nothing is going to keep that from happening. That is hope. The question this morning isn't, is that what hope is? The question this morning is, do you have that hope? Do you have it? We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.